following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eat Sleep List, your home for list making here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Dan Torres. I am one of your hosts of Eat Sleep List. With me, as always, is the creator of Eat Sleep List himself, my good friend, uh, my brother, who is always sunny like this day we have today. Trying to be. Mr. Matt Johnson. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good, man. It's really, really good to see you. Um Today in particular is a day I really take in all the friendships in my life and things like that. So I'm really glad I'm here with you today. Oh, likewise, likewise. I was like, man, you know, we zoomed last week, and it, again, it just if we zoom for like one week and don't see each other for two, it feels like I haven't seen you in a month. I know it's so honestly. weird, but um, no, I'm grateful for you, my man. You and I got some exciting weeks coming up, uh, personally, and you know, obviously, the show we've been having so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're gonna keep the uh, keep the gravy train rolling here. Dan's got a great, great subject today. Um, why don't you tell him what we're doing? Yeah, this is gonna be a really fun one. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so we are going to do the top ten fictional characters we relate to the most. Um, what gave me the idea for this actually is something I brought up last week on my podcast, which um, I and I'm not going to necessarily bring up the specific question I asked because it's going to spoil one of my entries, and I don't want to do that just yet. Okay. Uh, but I asked Ben a certain question related to a fictional character he would be, and he and we both sat and contemplated one, and right then I thought, that would make a really good list, and I think this is going to be the list for this week. And mine's all over the map. Like I feel like I pulled from all sorts of different eras interesting of one. my life um, to get some. Some I definitely tell me, me the paper towels. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, some I definitely relate to more than I do others. But um, for this list in particular, I'm super stoked to uh, kind of see where we both fall as far as these fictional ones. Absolutely, you know, I was like. Because when you said it, I'm like, yes, there's so many characters I relate to. And I wanted to make sure it was different because we did do a fictional characters list before. Yes. But we didn't do one that one we related to. So this list is vastly different, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, of that. And that's what I, I like so much about this. Uh, I have a habit of drawing on the personality of, of things that I read, that I watch, that I play. Mm-hmm. I draw. I tend to draw in aspects of their personality. Or I just... Or I just find a way to connect somehow. If I really, really, really love a character, I'll find a way to connect with them somehow on some deep level. So um, I had – at first it was uh, – you know, I had a little bit of trouble. Then I started opening up. Like, what do I like? Okay. Da, 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 da. Follow this. Oh, there's that. I, I remember, I, you know, you start recalling how you connected with certain characters and why you were connected with them. So I am very, very happy with this list. Uh, in love with it, in fact. And Me I, too. I cannot wait – um, I'm really excited to get this thing underway. I mean, you wrapped it up perfectly. So without further ado, let's get into our top 10 fictional characters we relate to the most. Matt, lead us off with your number 10. All right. So my number 10, I'm going to go with, um, this is from 
one of my favorite video games, if not my favorite video game of all time. Uh, this is Leon Kennedy from uh, the Resident Evil games, Resident Evil 2 specifically. Very cool. Uh, obviously, I am not a cop. I, uh, you know, I'm not nearly as good looking as this fictional character. However, I've always appreciated his his um, his desire for like, uh, I guess, righteousness. Sure. In a sense, doing the right thing, even when people hurt him, he wants to try and and find some common ground. Or find some way to, to 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 make things right. He there was a moment in Resident Evil Two. Um, actually, throughout his entire storyline, to be perfectly honest with you, um, that he uh, this this his female character Ada Wong, who he has a love interest in, pulls a gun on him. All right, pulls a gun on him at the end. She's been working on him the whole time. Pulls a gun on him, trying to get this this sample that she's you know she's a, she's a spy. She's an undercover agent. He somebody sh- shoots at the the spy Ada, and he tries to save her life. He tries to save her life. She ends up falling. Um, she still stays alive because that's video games and such. But yeah. Um, but I always appreciated that aspect. That no matter how bad somebody hurt him or wanted to hurt him, he just couldn't do it back. And it it was really really great. In Especially in a video game where, you know, it, it's survival horror, right? And, and if if you put yourself in the center of that character, you know, in the game, not 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 looking at it like theoretically from a story perspective, but you can't have emotion, right? If you see a zombie, uh, uh, somebody that you you once knew, perhaps you got to pull the trigger, mm-hmm. and you got to do that in several occasions. So, um, even that, and then just his sen- again, a sense of justice, wanting to do the right thing, I. I like that in people. I, I've grown. Obviously, I've, I've you know, I, there was points in time where, you know, somebody did something to me and it just did, I, I got angry back and it just kept reverberating. But, I, you know, over the last months, uh, I've just been trying to find, like, extend that olive branch and, and make peace because I just, I just like not being stressed out and I like, I like not hating. Like, I just like not feuding with people. I like to try, you know, I find empathy. Like, you can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. And that's the way Leon portrayed himself in in those games, and I really really loved. And just just doing the right thing means so much more to me than ego or pride or any of that stuff. So I've always really really enjoyed Leon. That's why I've just been fascinated with him. Excellent. I knew a Resident Evil one or two was going to make it on here, and Leon is a good choice for you. I feel like again, you know, we've talked about this in the past. I'm not super super familiar with the series. I'm playing Biohazard right now. But I haven't been, you know, an OG fan like you have over the years. Uh, but Leon is one of the characters I definitely know, and I can see him. Yeah, he's he's so pure and great. I, I really love him. Even as he's aged, his, his overall character, you know, different interpretations of him, but his overall character and in, in, in motive and just M.O., like mission statement, Um is is never changed. Yeah, absolutely. That's excellent. That's a great entry to the list. I'm really glad you added that one on. Uh, my number 10 is one that I'd say this is this one is the furthest from who I am uh personality-wise obviously because it's number 10. But I there's one aspect that I specifically relate to this character on um 
Sons of Anarchy is one of my favorite shows of all time. I absolutely loved it when it was on. When the when the finale was on, I cried like a baby. I thought it was so good. Um, but Jax Teller, the lead character, is such a badass. He's played by Charlie Hunnam, who's an, a really incredible actor. And throughout the series, he, he rises from vice president to president, uh, and has to deal with so many challenges within love, within, uh, you know, things within the club, like like diffusing feuds with different people and uh, different things like that. But the one aspect I always really related to him on was his family. His family was the number one thing in his life, and that's what really drove most of his motivations throughout the show was the safety of his sons, the safety of his wife. Um, and it all kind of comes full circle, which is, is so crazy throughout the series. I high, highly recommend it for people who haven't seen it, but Jax is just this really smooth Harley Davidson riding, uh, like kind of a badass dude. And it's what I would hope to be in kind of like an alternate life. But his personality is very relatable for those reasons. Uh, so Jax Teller comes in at my number 10. Very good. I'm, I'm not super familiar, familiar with the show. I know of the show. I know of the characters. I haven't watched it too in depth. But um, I think it's a great one. I think it's a great choice for you to have. Thank really you. cool. Yeah, just cool lifestyle. Right? It's always nice to see those uh, those other perspectives and other way people people live and try to put yourself into those situations too yeah 100 percent. very good um yeah so i absolutely love 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 uh sons and i love jacks uh on to our number nine matt all right i'm gonna go um i'm gonna go with one of two skywalkers here i'm gonna go star wars i'm gonna put luke skywalker here as my number nine um Luke is just so pure. He's always been, I think, pure of heart. Um, but always optimistic that there's something better for him out there. Like, the, his situation, whatever it is, obviously, excluding the, the sequel trilogies, but uh, no matter what kind of, well, I guess technically so, um, no matter what kind of rut or where he is in life, that, that there's something bigger for him out there. Uh, and throughout much of my life I've always felt that I've you know I've always been like this can't be it right mm-hmm. this can't be it me struggling to pay bills working a crap job um stressing out over you know spots in wrestling or or just money or just relationships or just just friendships with people there's got to be something more out there for me when you know Luke I love the scene with the binary sunset in episode 4 a new hope mm-hmm. where he's just looking beyond because he's like, man, like I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I can't leave for the Imperial Academy. Why can't I? You know, why can't? There's got to be something more. And things start to happen. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a nice lesson to just keep the optimism, keep the hope going, keep just churning away. And I've had to do that many times over in my life, many mm-hmm. times over. When just you just, I don't know. We all just like shed this like skin. It, like it sounds like weird, but like metaphorically, we all hit a point where we're just like just squirmy and just restless and 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 stressed out and you got to kind of just break free and grow into something more and that's what Luke has always kind of just taught me to just kind of keep the faith and obviously just a good pure person just as pure as like a Leon Kennedy as I mentioned in Resident Evil um good dude and and 
listen, he seen the light in his dad and didn't want to kill him. Mm-hmm. He tried it. His he didn't want to fight face him or defeat him. He wanted to bring him back to the light, which I loved. So Luke Skywalker comes into my number nine. Hell yeah! I knew a couple. This is another fandom. I knew there were going to be a couple. Yeah, and I, I pretty, definitely I'm see Luke obvious. in you. Thank you. But he's he's just. You have a purity to you, for sure. I and I th- I think some of our characters are going to have that similarity where we both try to, I feel like, do good for others and go out of our way for others. Yeah. And Luke is the definition of that. The whole Star Perfect Wars series re- revolves around him trying to, like, balance the entire galaxy. In yeah. I'm reading a book right now, and in, 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 uh, one of the lores, uh, you know, in the old Legends lore, he eventually, I believe, marries her. But Mara Jade... Um, is her name. She used to work for the Emperor. She's the Emperor's hand. And she's trying to kill him multiple times over. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point where she needs his help to free somebody. And he doesn't think twice about it. He goes, hey, let's go. She's all stressed out. Like, oh, no. what's he? I'm going to have to pull teeth to get him to help me. And she and he's just like, no, let's go. Let's do what we got to do. It's That's handle business. So awesome. Great dude. I love I love the I love the Lord Luke, Luke Skywalker. So good. Um Total side note, I I don't know if I ever talk about it with you, but I play Fortnite a ton as far as like Battle Royale games. I go to that one as far as my go-to. And they brought lightsabers back in because they're I've doing I've seen that May the 4th. For, yeah, so they're... You can flip between... You can earn enough experience to get either um, a clone soldier um, or you can get Darth Maul with it, which I'm go- I'm totally going for Maul. But, oh, of course. But they added lightsabers and force powers back in, and oh, it's man. the way I was playing it with Cheese Man the other day, and he described, he was like, oh, this is the same way they do it in Battlefront. This makes yeah. it so easy. So yeah. now it's so fun to have uh, that element. I never got, I try to get into Fortnite, and I see some of these specials that pop up, like uh, like that. And they did a Thanos one years ago yeah, when Infinity War came great. out where he had the gauntlet. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so tempted. Mm-hmm. I'm so tempted. Yeah. it's If you ever want to get in, it's never too late, and I'll I'll help you level right, up very yeah. easily. I might, you might have to. Because they do cross-play for that, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. We'll have to, yeah. We'll be chatting. Hell, yeah. All right. Uh, my number nine... I'm torn at who to put here because I feel like I relate to all these ones for different reasons. I'm going to put my very, very childhood one uh, that I related to at my number nine. Um, Everybody has like a kid's show or like some kind of TV show that they bonded with as uh, a child. Our generation was like Blue's Clues for a lot of people or like Bear in the Big Blue House was like a big thing. Um, PBS was my thing as a kid. I absolutely loved watching PBS. We didn't have, uh, cable for several years growing up, but still it's, that's really the only thing you kind of need access to is you have some good stuff already. But one of my favorite things to always watch on there was the TV show, Arthur. Oh, I loved Arthur. So Arthur Reed. all the books. Yeah, me too. I used to read all the books all the time. Man, Arthur Reed, as far as like a childhood character, I relate to just so, so much. He was a kid in like second grade going to school all the time and dealing with these scenarios that a lot of times in his head he's imagining are bigger than they actually yep. are. And a lot of episodes dealt with that. And they dealt with some some really good topics on those shows. Um, Stage Fright 
it was one that they definitely covered and uh, how it's okay to make mistakes on that. I remember that. They did a lot of ones on bullying. Um, they did a lot of ones on sibling rivalries and older sibling and being the older or the younger sibling and things like that. Um, and then they had like deeper ones. I remember there was a fire at the school the one time in like one of the specials they did. And um, Arthur's dad happened to be catering something at that. So like Arthur had a lot of fear for a while about his dad getting caught up in something like yeah. that. Again. So they always like dealt with things in a way you could understand. As a which, kid. Yeah, yeah. As a kid, which uh, could make it so relatable for you. And I thought that that show – Always broke it down so well, but he just had a certain thing that you always liked him and wanted to be like that. And like even in modern day, like when there are Arthur memes that come out, I don't know if you remember, like seven years ago, like there's yes, the Arthur the fist. fist one became really popular. And I remember the episode that's from two, so it would make me laugh even harder because I remembered like everything so specifically from it. They showed the clip. I watched the clip, and there was that. Because right, he hits. No, he, he hits, hits DW because yeah. uh, she was infuriating. She, um, well, she uh, heard his drunk book his plane or something. His like plane. That. He had um, the. Uh, oh my god, the I the Chuck Yeager uh, plane that broke the sound barrier. The Mach Four. Oh, my dad's gonna fucking kill me if he listens <laughs> to this. Because here's a really funny story about okay. that episode. So, DW breaks. I want to get this right. Chuck Yeager. So he's, Chuck Yeager is famous because he's the first person to uh, break the sound barrier with an an airplane. He went faster than the speed of sound with, uh, he was a, he was a flying ace and I can't remember what the motivation was with it. Um, But he said it in, oh man, it's going to kill me. I'm looking. I'm pulling up Wikipedia right now. He became the first person. Blah 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 blah. Achieving most aerial victories, but what did he break it in? Everybody at home is like tuning out of this episode. Oh no! Well, here no. I'll f- you got it. You know, and, uh, here. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, you're good. I'll kill some time. Kill time. No, kill Arthur. Time so Arthur. No, Arthur's really great. I I read a lot of those books as a kid. Um. And, uh, you know, it, uh, the chicken pox, Arthur with chicken pox yes, got me through. I remember it was a taller that. book, and um, it got me through having chicken pox. I used to read it all the time, and it just made me feel better about having chicken pox. There, was, there really was an Ar- uh, like an Arthur episode for every scenario uh, of life. Here we go. Hold on. I'm Googling the specific question right now. I'm, I'm, I promise it's worth it. So the Bell X one, that's what he okay, that's what he broke it in. The Bell X one is what he broke the sound barrier in. Um and it was a model of that. And in the episode, Arthur or DW throws the plane out the window because she thinks it like can actually fly. And like after he's finished it, like and it looks so perfect at that. My dad had a model oh no of the X one. And when I was a toddler, oh no, I also broke it. <laughs> Did he punch you? <laughs> he should have. I would have. I'm sure he didn't. He didn't punch me at he's all. He's a good dad. He, he's a good dad, but like. Great dad. 
it it was hilarious that that specific episode had because it was like they literally took it from just my took life. it from your life. Mm. Yeah, and it was in uh, Arthur was written by Mark Brown, and I, you know, I, my mom's last name is Brown. It's my ma- my her maiden name. I have a cousin named Mark Brown, so it like it's all in the family. It all works. Um, yeah, so I always loved Arthur. I for love to find reasons. my old Arthur books. I don't know if I still have them or not. They got to be around somewhere, right? Yeah, they were. Man, those are timeless, absolutely timeless books. Yeah, so great choice. I was out, I was definitely not expecting that one. Yeah, I was. It was one I thought of today, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, he definitely." I th- I think he did a lot for me as a kid. Like he was definitely a good character for a lot of reasons. Great character, great character. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the memes were hilarious too. They so were just good. pulling some wild ones out. Um, number eight. Number eight. All right, I'm gonna go with another video game character here. Um, at least with my sense of humor, at one point, uh, I'm gonna go. Johnny Cage here. Oh, nice. Okay, this is gonna sound all right. I am not a movie star. That's not why I relate to him. Um, I am not good at fighting. Well, maybe I don't know. I've never been in a fight, fortunately. Um, so that's not why I'm relating. Johnny Cage was meant to be a comic relief character in a game full of very serious characters. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse, throughout my life, I have tried to be the person who breaks up tension with comedy. For better or for worse? For better or for worse. It's like 50-50. <laughs> There's a lot of times where just like, people are just like, shut up, Matthew! You know what I mean? Like, it, it just... It, it takes something seriously for a it second. Takes, yes, exactly. And, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't. Like, like I'd be... I'd be that one character, like like a really awkward, uncomfortable, like confrontation would happen, like in a locker room, in a work locker room mm-hmm. or something. And then I'd be the guy that'd be, that be, after everything settles down, to be like, awkward. And I'd actually say it out loud like I was in a movie or something, and everybody would just give me a dirty look. All right, this is me. Um, Johnny Cage is great for that reason, though. And, and, and he says a lot of dumb shit, but, but of course, you know, he's... That's that was his job. That's the way he was written in the games, you know, just to be goofy. His fatalities in the newer games are goofy, right? It's he's just just so much silly stuff. But also, as he's gotten older, he's he's taken a little bit more of a serious thing, mm-hmm. right? If you play through some of the newer games and their storylines, he has a more serious role um, in them. He he grows up and. That's kind of where I'm at in my life. So I've always fascinated, been fascinated with Johnny Cage, um, and I think he's a character I can very much relate to. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I love those ones that grow up with you. Yeah, and throughout your life, and Johnny Cage is definitely one of those ones that has grown up with the people we have become. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they did a cool thing in the last one, Mortal Kombat X, where it was like a time travel one, where they go back in time and. And then the modern Johnny Cage meets with his younger self. And the modern Johnny Cage is like, man, was I really that bad? <laughs> like, he was such, like, a tool, like, that some of his pickup lines and stuff. And, and he, so he was like, good. man, was I really that bad? So. The clown you write while you're fighting him. It's, yeah. Uh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> love that character to death. I love it. That's a great number eight. Thank you, buddy. Uh, my you number got? eight is, so... I had to put something from the Harry Potter fandom on here, right? Because I talk about it all the time. And I really had a hard time choosing what character from that fandom I related to the most. 
I'm thinking Harry, and then I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, he makes a lot of, like, very bold choices and yeah. very sacrificial and, like, has a lot of angst and, like, I don't – I know that I don't have a gravity of that sort, like, within that world. Nobody wants to be Ron. I'm sorry. Like, I just – If I, I was to pick one of them on my list, it would be – it would probably be Ron. Yeah. I, I like – Maybe I would relate to him in a way, but I don't want to be Ron. I'm not doing that to myself. Um, and you, then you, want, you like having a soul, yes. And then uh, Hermione is way too smart. Like I'm not smart enough to be because she's like a genius level wizard, and I I can't be that. However, there was one character that I related to through and through, and it's another one that I feel of. I I feel I grew up with the most when I was reading the books too. Uh, the character I relate to the most from Harry Potter is Neville Longbottom. Oh, okay. I, I, so the whole first book, he is so tragic the entire, like, he's constantly getting bullied, he's losing things, he gets sent a remember all, and and it's to help him remember things, but he can't remember what he's forgot, so like, it, there's all these things that, that he just cannot he cannot do right. He just can't seem to get it right, no matter how hard he tries. But then, as he uh, gets older, he like kind of grows into himself a little bit and realizes like his own more and more. And you learn more about his backstory about how um, his parents were orers and they were uh, tortured by uh, one of the Death Eaters and. Uh, how they're still alive, but they have no idea who he is, and that's why he lives with it. Like his his backstory, like becomes very deep, and he becomes like you start to understand him a little yeah. bit more. And then by the time they're fighting Voldemort in the end, he kills the snake with yeah, the sword. He's a big hero! Like, I was he's, surprised. He's a huge hero by the end of it, and then um, in the epilogue in the book, you find out he's teaching herbology at Hogwarts. Like that's his thing, and uh, and in school that was his main thing as well. He yeah. he really got into that field and excelled in it. So he like he went from that awkward kid to. Uh, to this hero for, like, the house and really represented his house well. And I'm a Gryffindor. I've taken the test several times, and it's been Gryffindor most it- times. Um, and I, f- I do feel like I relate to that house the most. Uh, but I don't feel like I'm a Harry Gr- a Gryffindor. A Neville Gryffindor seems way more appropriate, and I own that very proudly. So Neville Longbottom comes in at my number eight. That's a great one because I think I mentioned before I read the first four and then I stopped. I just I don't know what remember what happened, but I seen the movies still, or at least I jumped. I went watch four. Kind of seen five, and then I went to, went to see Deathly Hollows part two, and Neville's like this big hero, dude. I'm like, what the hell happened? So you're going back in the lore, and it's like, wow, what a change. What a cool, like, character arc. That was my first ever, like, Endgame-style movie to go see at midnight was... Uh, yes, me, same. Yeah. And when I was living in Rochester, oh, I wasn't living in Rochester yet, but I was dating the girl in Rochester, and we went, and I was like, this is cool. People were dressing up. 
they were singing some Hogwarts song. Like a couple girls were singing the Hogwarts song, like right in the theater. Yep. It was Tinseltown in Rochester. We wore the 3D glasses. So, it was so cool. Yeah, there were a couple of do- people doing the Harry Potter puppet pals. Um, they cheered at certain lines throughout the movie. You know what's crazy is I love those movies so much that like whenever they like do them at the drive-in and stuff like that, I still, still go. go. Yeah. I still go. I absolutely love Nothing that. beats it. Even like ha- owning it and having the ability to watch a movie like that at home. You- there's something about that aura and environment of that. That was my warm up for the next year because the next summer, <laughs> totally off topic. Um, the next summer, when Dark Knight Rises came out, I went to the AMC on Maple. I took my brothers. I bought like these exclusive tickets, and you went at five o'clock, and you you watched Batman Begins, and then they took like a thirty minute break. You can go to the snack bar, get popcorn, went back in the theater, you watched The Dark Knight, and then you took a break, and you went back in at midnight, and they showed Dark Knight Rises. So you watched all of them right in a row. Oh, so Dark Knight Rises as it came out? As it came out. Oh, they timed it real good. So they they did all of it. So they, they planned it that way. So it was midnight, opening night, and it was such a cool way to ring that in, to watch all three. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, it was it was sick. It was they so suggested good. that with uh, MCU, the the Marvel movies. Like you sit and watch the whole everything. You just stay in the theater. Yeah, but I could never do I, that for twenty something movies. That's that's too that's a too big long now. Right, it's too much. Of I my would life. I would stink. <laughs> I would smell a lot. And I get so I tune out eventually. Yeah, eventually I would just tune out. It's so much. If I find a movie that I'm like, eh, I don't really want to watch. I'll just pass out. Exactly. <laughs> I'm taking a nap through Iron Man three. Yeah, oh yeah, and two, probably two I like as well. Two, I didn't hate two. Do as you? Well. I the War Machine stuff was cool. That I didn't was hate cool. It. I didn't hate it. The rest of it was kind of. Mm. I, I don't know. I'm glad that they brought up him being an alcoholic because that is a big part of his For character. Sure. Like they did. They did, I just even Robert Downey's personal life, but yeah, right? yeah. That was the thing. Yeah. Yes, but y- you know what? My big gripe with that one. Is that they had Mickey Rourke in there and they barely used him. Yeah. That's 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 the one thing that I remember. They had the the NASCAR scene or whatever that they did with him where he's on the tracks. They did that. And then he comes back for like one more scene in that movie. One more Like fight, where he's like actually fighting. Right. It's, it's, we're not yeah. going to go into this Early right MCU now. stuff. Early MCU but, stuff. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, yes. But. Um, on to our number seven on these fictional characters. Matt, number seven. All right, number seven. I'm going to the going into the world of J.R.R. Tolkien, and I am going. Uh, I'm going to go Bilbo Baggins here. Yay! I okay. love Bilbo. Bilbo is great. I I would try to weigh out all the hobbits. Like, who do I choose? Because um, obviously, I'm you know Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, that, that Gandalf. I, I don't think there's really much connection there, but. Some about the Hobbits, man. It was cool to watch the Hobbits go from these timid, just peaceful, um, happy creatures. Prince, you're being very, very demanding right now. Um, to brave, courageous action, like just not violent, but you know what I mean? Just just willing to, to, to fight. And I think Bilbo's arc was my favorite. Mm-hmm. I really, I think it was... You know, he started off, and, and there's this meeting at his house, and and he's like, "I'm not going on an adventure with you. You guys are crazy. I'm not. I'm not a burglar. Like you're your mind." And then he go, then he sits and thinks. He's like, "Man, I maybe I can't do this." Yeah, 
and he goes and he does just so much fun stuff and his character growing, you know, throughout the whole story. Um, I kind of see myself like that. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm like overly brave, but I've been shy my whole life, afraid to take like those chances and those next steps. It's always been something that's like a, not like evaded me, but you know, it's I've let fear dictate a lot of decisions I made in my life. And you could see at the beginning of The Hobbit, um, that's where he was at until yes. until probably the third movie, right? After they sent him after Smog. Now he's super brave, like, let's go fight these guys and stuff like that. He really comes into his own. So always love Bilbo. It's the adventure, like the spirit of adventure. It's the eating. I mean, obviously, Hobbit's eating. It's It's great stuff. And just their whole lifestyle. I think a lot of people can relate to The Hobbit's. Yeah. You know, and, and just the way that they are. It, it, people, I think, yearn for that sort of piece. Did you enjoy the Hobbit movies when they came out? Loved them. Okay. Because I know a lot of people had certain gripes with them, but I thought they were really good when you just take them as movies. As they were. Actually, because obviously you got to think, too. He had one small book to make a trilogy out of. He mm-hmm. wasn't going to just make one movie out of mm-hmm. So there's a lot of filler stuff, a lot to stretch out. I like the characters more in The Lord of the Rings. Sure. But I like the trilogy of The Hobbit more. Yeah. If that makes sense. That definitely does. I think it's a lot more. I think it's a lot of fun. It is weird that they put Legolas in it, though, too. Super. I think Legolas was in the book. Was he? Legolas was in the book, but the, the female elf was not oh, at that's, all. That's who I'm thinking of. That's they put thinking. her in. I didn't mind it. I thought it, I mean I see added to a little you know a little diversity to the cast but um but yeah they 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 made some slight alterations yeah but it was fun it was fun stuff so definitely was so Bilbo um, I love it I love Bilbo and I love Lord of the Rings it's such a great franchise it really is um my number seven, another one I don't directly relate to because I've never lived this lifestyle or will never do things. Um, like this. Uh, I don't know how big of a fan you are of The Sopranos or if you've ever seen Clips, but never die hard. Um, so you have Tony, who's the boss, and then you have his nephew, Christopher Moltisanti, uh, portrayed by the the incredible Michael Imperioli. Um, Chrissy is... <laughs> my God. So... I don't even know how I can properly describe him. This is this is the best way I can sum him up for people who haven't seen the show. Um, I watched it. I've watched Sopranos all the way through twice. I watched it the first time with my mother, and it was the first time that either of us have watched the series either way through. Um, shout out, mom! It was our thing for forever, and we both got so much enjoyment out of watching it for the first time. I love mafia stories. I absolutely love... I'm growing um, into it. I read a book about the mafia guy um, in Chicago, and it was great. Goodfellas, um, The Departed. Yes. Uh, I just had one in my head that's uh, really good. There there are so many... Romeo good, and Juliet. Yes, yeah, that one. <laughs> Tybalt, that's my favorite mob boss ever. Um no, anything like that. Even Sons of Anarchy to an extent because they're dealing guns and they're and like of different course. weapons and things like that. Uh, th- it all really fascinates me to a degree, like that underground life. And um, so 
th- this was a show I could easily get into. Um, and then the second time I watched it, I put Julie onto it. And I was just like, just watch it. Because her, her oldest sister really enjoys it, too, and has watched it through once or twice. So we talked about it all the time. Right. And uh, I, I said to Julie, just watch. Like, I, if you don't like it, we can start watching something. And she immediately got addicted to it. But when Chrissy came on for the first time, I said to her, he's going to break your heart a hundred times in this show. And he's... You see the flashes of how good he can be or how he wants to be. And I don't, like, relate to him in a way where, like, I'm a scumbag or, like, I feel like. But he has he has all this desire to do right and do these big things. And he can never seem to, like, pull the trigger on it, really. Right. He always seems to, like, fizzle out or get shut down by something or let himself get in the way. Um, he does this really great scene in the second or third season um, where he goes to an acting class and he reads a scene with this guy and he gets super emotional during the scene. Like he lets himself like and he does a really good job, but then storms out of the class. And then the next time he's there, they put him on with the same scene partner and he beats the crap out of him. Like he he totally just kicks the shit up for no reason at all. It's almost like letting anybody through hurt him that much. Where like it, he it, and being emotional and not being the tough guy made right. him like act out in a certain way. So he always felt like he had to be someone he wasn't. Um, the incredible Drea Dematteo, who is also in uh, Sons of Anarchy, is his love interest through uh, most of the series. And their relationship is just like you want them to work so bad, even though they're so bad for each other, too. And like she's kind of like she's not dumb, but she's ditzy in a lot of ways. So like you you just root for her because she's a good person and she shouldn't be caught up in it. And Chris is just I think it might be Michael Imperioli's acting throughout it, too. That makes he just his performance in it is just so phenomenal that if I recommend the series to anyone, first, it's for James Gandolfini because his he was absolutely incredible as Tony Soprano. But second, it's for Michael Imperioli's role on the show, um, because that character was so complex and so deep and keeps you riveted till the end of the series. Um so my number seven is Christopher Maltesanti. I don't want to delve into it more because I'll get emotional talking about him. Honestly, I've the, after the second time you watch and like it, it, the first time I second I yeah the second time I started watching after the first time knowing certain things that were going to happen somehow made it worse. And I had that same feeling in um, No Way Home when. Uh, the big thing happens with yeah. Aunt May. I had that same feeling the second time. It, it hit me harder the second time because I, too. I think the first time that I saw that specifically, I was so shocked and I was expecting like something to happen where like, oh, maybe she'll like do that. And then like it, they left, they left it. And you're like, oh my God, they're, they're really leaving it yeah. like that. Like they're leaving her gone and they're leaving him alone. So like once that happened, and then the second time, kind of when you know what's coming, it it's really hard. It's Absolutely. super, super hard. Um, so 
Uh, Christopher Maltesanti comes in at my number seven. And for anyone who also hasn't seen Sopranos out there, highly, highly, highly recommend. Very good. I always love learning about new characters. And obviously our lists are differing quite a bit, So, which is which is tremendous. This is what I like to see. If you ever do uh, a, a Sopranos watch, you have to let me know because I'll literally talk to you about every single episode you go through. I'm on that fandom now of like, oh, yeah, I'll break down every single scene. Yeah. It's the best. It's one of the best uh, – full-time drama shows ever. I hear like it's one of the most week. rewatched ones, too. It's so good, and it holds up. I, I The first time I watched it all the way through was about five years ago, and it was still just as relevant and still it held just as much win. And just, uh, this rewatch was this past year, and nothing changed. Nothing at all. So good. That's always good to hear. Yeah. All right, on to our number six, Matt. Number six. I'm going to go to one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. I haven't watched every single season, but I've watched a large chunk of it. Um, I hold the show in such high regard. I'm going to go with, uh, this is from Parks and Rec. Oh, cool. This is one of two Chris Pratt characters. <laughs> I'm going with Andy Dwyer. I... <laughs> <laughs> love Andy Dwyer. I love Chris Pratt. Um, I seen Star Lord first, uh, and then I went back. I'm like, what? He was in a sitcom, and I watched this. So and this dude good. is such a goofball. Oh my god, everything he encompasses what I talked about with like Johnny Cage, and just being like an anno- like an annoying kind of like dumb dits and just like not picking up on things. And just the whole way he lived his life, like mm. I could draw connections. When he was like, when he broke up with his one girl and was like homeless, uh, his first, the first girl on the show, and he was like living in the, like that dirt like construction zone. Oh yeah, so I was good. like, what's going on? And I was like, man, I could like if there's like a point where I could see myself being so like desperate, like would I be that dumb? Like would I go to that point? So just so much stuff, just just some of the stuff he says, just goofy. Um, there was one where he was hanging on like the monkey bars upside down, and uh, and Rod Swanson was talking to him. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember. And he just <laughs> fell off, and he goes, "Oh no, I'm okay, but my mouth isn't." And it's like if a tooth fell out, so he had to go to the hospital. But this is like just dumb stuff I would have done, you know, even like six months a year ago. Um, so cool, so, so cool to see that, and it's timeless. And of course. Uh, another reason why I love this character so much, he was a big-time Colts fan, and they did an episode. Um, it was his bachelor party, and they went to Lucas Oil Stadium because it took, takes place in Indiana. And he caught a touchdown pass from Andrew Luck, and they had uh, Jim Mercer, the Colts owner, on there. I was like, this is so cool. That is really dope. It's so, nice when your franchise gets a good shine on, yeah, on like, a show or something Yeah, you never like that. ever see that with any show. Uh, I mean, so, I guess some of the male characters in other shows, you know, Tim Allen had the Lions in, uh, in Home Improvement, and uh, Kevin James had the Jets in King of Queens and stuff like that. But, um, but for Indianapolis, which isn't like a major market comparatively, uh, Really cool to see. Yeah, so. it is. Um, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is one of my favorite shows, and they do an episode called Fight Milk where they find out that UFC guys are drinking their product. 
and they have uh, Donald Cerrone and Paul Felder in, just in their so locker cool. room. And it was hilarious because the first shot that they have of Cowboy Cerrone, they turn this corner and he's throwing up at this bucket. Like, and they immediately just make it like, oh, okay, we're going right into it. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, so it's funny that you put a sitcom one here because my sitcom one is also my number six. Oh, very good. Um, it's not from the same show, unfortunately. That would have been really funny. Although I am a Parks and Rec fan, it's such a great series. It's so good. Um, Amy Poehler is just incredible. Yes, it's, that whole cast yeah. is really good. They they put together a lot of good people for that show. Oh, absolutely. I prefer that. I don't know if it's because I I've been abused to The Office, but I prefer that over The Office. So here's my thing. I like The Office. I like Parks and Rec. I'm in the rare third-party group that, out of all of them, enjoyed 30 Rock the most. The At least the first four seasons of 30 Rock. After that, it gets a little dumb and uh, repetitive. But there is... That's uh, Tina Fey and... Uh... And Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin yes. and uh, Tracy Morgan. That was the ace in the hole that they had, was they had Tracy Morgan for for every episode. That's and right. he says the dumbest shit on that show. Um, it, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, but my number six as far as sitcom shows go, um, I'm going to go to a network just a couple channels away uh, called Fox and I'm going to bring it to an era where uh, you can definitely relate to as somebody who grew up around these types of shows. Everybody had their King of Queens. Everybody had their friends. Everybody had um, everything else that was on there. Everybody loves Raymond, whatever you had. My favorite sitcom to come out of uh, my childhood is That 70s Show. And out of all of them, out of all of the characters in them, because there are some incredible characters uh, within that world, Stephen Hyde is absolutely the one I relate to most on so many levels, especially now in my life. Um, He's just this... He spends the 70s being this very hippie, like, I don't care, like, the man's after you. The whole running joke throughout the series is, so the government's got a car and it runs on water. It runs on water, man. They're keeping it from us. Like, they say that at the beginning, midway point, and the end of that series. They they make the joke about it. Uh, But he also has, like, a really big heart, and you see that a lot of times on the show. Um there's a season where Red is out of work because the plant closed and uh, Hyde is living with them at the time because uh, his mom walks out in season one. So he ends up living with Foreman the rest of the series. Yes, yes. Um, so he uh, a, at one point he knows things are tight and he decides to just go out on his own and get a job at the photo hut, which is how um, Tommy Chong makes it onto the show. That was so random, but yes. Oh, I love Leo. That's that's such a good character. Um, But then he, towards the end of that episode, he comes in uh, 
to the kitchen and he drops money on the table. He's like, look, I know things are tight and I know that I, you guys didn't ask for anything for me being here. So this is to help. So this is to kind of help out. Just say, thank you. He's like, he's like, so just take it and leave me alone or whatever. And leaves. And they end up like they don't even end up using it towards their rent. They uh, throughout the series and they bring it up at the end of the series too. They take that money and put it in a savings account for him. Really? Yeah, they do. And they say that in the moment too. Red says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put this in an account for him so that he has something for her. And then they, the, the whole end of that series was really weird, but they give him the money at the end of that show um, because Kitty and Red are trying to move out of Wisconsin. Yeah. And he ends up using it to uh, bump them up in line for Packers season tickets so that Red has a reason to want to stay because oh, Kitty doesn't want to wow. leave. Um, so he he just has a heart of gold. He really like does go out of his way for everybody throughout that series. And he's so funny. I always like like to relate to those characters who are just like – casually like funny because they're like they say the things that you wish people could say absolutely uh, in, in real life um he's also from an acting family too which i always relate to he did run into allegations of a bunch of things yeah um which i hate that for him and i hate that he had to you know tarnish his, repu- his reputation like that um but his brother chris masterson was Francis on Malcolm in the Middle. Yes, yes. that's right. That's and right. he made a couple appearances on that 70s show as well uh, as the guy, um, Mila Kunis cheats on Kelso in, in one season, and he's the guy that she cheats on him with, um, which I always found really funny. But uh, I love that 70s show, and it, Eric Foreman I definitely relate to in a lot of ways, but I definitely relate to Stephen Hyde a little bit more. Yeah, so that's he was, why he comes. He was one six. of the most wholesome characters on that show. So, so good. I love that seventy show. It is a great flick. It's the best. How uh, Mila Kunis and uh, Topher and uh, Ashton got all their starts. Huge stars. Mm-hmm. The other ones not so much, but um, but they, they had did. good careers for themselves. Though, they did too. like good. Um, no, not discounting that at all. It, what's uh what you might call it? Um, Laura Preppen, uh Donna was on Orange Is the New Black and was a huge character oh, yeah, on that right. show. Yeah, because I hadn't seen her in years. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. But yeah, they all kind of found their way, which is really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I I binge watched that seventy show so many times. They used to play it at FX all the time. Yeah, they did. Oh, no. just over and over again. Finish the season, start over from the beginning. It's just timeless. So good. Um. um all right. Top. Five for our fictional characters. All right, my number five. I'm gonna go with um, with going back to comic books. I'm gonna go with Eddie Brock here, aka Venom. There it is. Um, the maniacal, you know, alien symbiote. No, that's not what I'm looking at. What I'm looking at is a guy, an antihero, who seen things, had an experience, and seen things away, and was kind of vilified for it. He hated Spider-Man because Spider-Man ruined his life. Yes. And I think we all go through stuff like this where we see somebody or something for one way because it has meaning to us, but the whole world, or at least seemingly everybody around us, uh, does not see it that way. Um, they they kind of use it as a weapon against us. And that's why I've always, like, Eddie Brock has always been, like, this, this sympathetic anti-hero in a sense because... He's not really the bad guy. He just hates our hero. Yeah. 
right? He hates our, he hates the hero in Spider Man because uh, he ruined his life. And it also like there are some truly truly evil people out there, but it also makes you think that I'm going to say mostly outside of the truly evil vile people in this world, that good and evil is can be looked at as a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of philosophize, like, uh, whoever you agree with may come off as the good person. Whoever you disagree with comes off as the bad person. We see it all the time, politics and such like that. Um, I've had moments like that in my life where somebody hurt me, somebody that is friends with a variety, uh, with a large group of people, a mutual maybe group of people. And I've been villainized for it, and I hate it. Mm -hmm. And there's only nothing you could do about it. There's nothing you could say, nothing you can can do that'll convince people otherwise that this person hurt you the way that they did. And he's got to, I guess, stay strong in your belief. And Venom ended up becoming one of the most popular characters, and 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 became a hero. His whole thing was protecting the innocents, protecting innocent people. And uh, it was always good that he never. Even though the Venom symbiote was kind of, you know, crazed and maniacal and, and added this extra edge to him, he never really lost his way, even though he's portrayed as a villain. No, he never really did. And that's like something I, I guess in a weird way, I admire. So Such a good uh, character. Very well written. Very very well written. So Eddie Brock is uh, is my number five. Can you believe I only put one comic book character on my list. I'm a little surprised. It's, I wanted to, so I wanted to diversify it. And I've talked about so many of my favorite ones on here before that I figured I'd be beating a dead horse with some of them. Um, so the one I picked, I'm very proud of, cause I do feel like I relate to him the most out of all comic book characters I've ever had in my life. Uh, but yeah, there's so many I could have picked, but for you, then Eddie Brock is like he's he's that guy, and I think there's a reason so many people relate to him. You, my cousin Tyler's a huge uh, Eddie Brock fan yes. too. So it, it, the symbiote specifically, I think people have a huge fascination with for a reason, and it's because he's not really. He never necessarily wanted to be like a symbiote or a villain, right? Wrong place, wrong time in that bell tower, and boom, like there. Or right place, right time, possibly in his opinion. Exactly. But yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And they're not like, you know, they're, they're not necessarily enemies all the time. They work together. No, their team up stuff is really good. So good. They had a free comic book day one for the both of them oh, last they did? week. Mm hmm. Um, and I guess according to Ty, it just previewed a bunch of stuff coming up. I have it. I have to read it still. Okay. Let um, me know how it is. Yeah. And they're also doing 2099 is, uh, doing, uh, I think it's like the end of something and they're doing Carnage as the main villain in 2099. Oh, yeah. They got to hype up 2099 a bunch until with the movie, new movie coming out. Yeah. The Spider-Verse one. So that'll 100%. be good to see. That'll be good to see. All right, so two of these entries I absolutely cheated on, but I'm not going to apologize for any reason. You better not. I'll tell you why. Um, Because these are two characters that I played for my next two entries. Okay. And I put them on here because these are two characters that I feel I've, like, really had the most connection to. Out of all the ones I've played, I feel like these two have been closest to home. So my number five I'll start with first. 
Um, so in 2019, I don't know if I've ever told you about the show, but you'll appreciate this knowing me. Um, I did a show called El Coqui Espectacular in the, in the Evil Bottle of Doom. Okay. And it was about a comic book writer named Alex who isn't getting published because his characters are like too Latino for the mainstream audience. He has a brother named Joe who is trying to act more Spanish in order to be like this liaison for a company. So like he's kind of like faking it because people expect him to be like a certain way in a certain thing. Um, But Alex specifically is in a rut. He's back living with his mom. His dad passed away. Um, He was a uh, police officer and died in the line of duty. Oh, Um, so uh, he's working through recovery from that. So in order to like try and get re-inspired, he starts dressing up as the superhero that he's trying to write for and going to like try and solve actual crimes. Really, the scene, the uh, play opens with him running away because he got the shit kicked out of him. Like it's. Uh, I had someone do all my bruise makeup for it and everything like that. But that was, it, it felt like that play was written specifically for me when I did it because it related so much to my love of superheroes. Uh, my love of wrestling got incorporated into the show because there was so much stage combat. Right. And, uh, in his head, he's seeing this villain he made up as like his depression, and it's uh, El Chupacabra, which is a you know a mythical uh, Boricua like, and it's like a big a crypt- they call it a cryptid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a it's like a cryptid. Uh, but uh, he he's the main. I can show you some pictures at some point from it too, and I still have some of the videos from the fight choreo. Um, but. Uh, The actor who played uh, the Chupacabra is from Puerto Rico and knows wrestling. So when we were going over some stuff, he knew he I had told him that I have a background. And he goes, he goes, oh, do you know how to throw? Do you know how to throw a Rana? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, which way? I was like, which way are you talking about? And he's. And he was uh, he was referring to uh, the tilt a whirl method. So just the, you know, go up, yeah. grab, head scissors, flip, easy. Flip, right. So the first time we showed our fight choreographer that, he goes, "Oh my god!" He was so happy. Yeah, we're keeping that. I don't know what that was, but that looked awesome. And we're <laughs> the first night we did it, people applauded. It was a damn Rana. They love that. It was a Rana. They love that. It was like it's so simple. The wrestling fans so with the general audience, it looks amazing. It, it's it's so simple, but it it was effective. Um, but he's you know this is a huge comic, and I also performed this show like with people who I'm really close with too, and with people I really love and like admire. So like that added a layer to it. But it was me. It was someone who was. You know, it, it was like this investment in comic books who is is Puerto Rican but doesn't necessarily have – it isn't – it like isn't necessarily in touch with his roots because, you know, I – he kind of grew up away from Puerto Rican culture and in turn I grew up in the suburbs and like I wasn't around Puerto, right. Puerto Rican people until I met my uh, my wife. Like that's – like the most exposure I've ever gotten to that culture is within the past seven years. Right. And, uh, 
so that related in a lot of ways. And then, um, you know, of course, in small, smaller theaters and smaller projects, like you kind of come up with your own wardrobe sometimes and things like that. But they asked me to bring in like, you know, stuff that would relate to his character. And I brought in like 15 comic book shirts that I just had like in my dresser and like would just swap them out for, uh, for scenes. And like, I had a specific order for them. There were comic books everywhere in the, like his bedroom that was on the set. Guess whose comic books they were though. Because I brought them in and I'm right. like scattered. Like it was – I said we did talkbacks um, two days a week. And in two of them, I said – I was like this is the most I've ever related to like a, a certain thing. Like like these are my shirt. Like this is my wardrobe. These are outfits I wear in real life. These comic books that are on the walls are mine. Like the, like all this is there. That's a dream I had, role. I had my own mask. Like I have my own mask that eventually I'm getting tattooed on me because that is – that's my superhero mask. Nobody will ever take that from me. Right. That's mine. Like that shit is so cool to me. And it was – Built over um, the plastic mold they used for it um, that I wore was um, a Black Panther mask. Okay. And Chadwick had just died. Oh. So like. Oh, yeah. Or no. No, no, no. That was pre-Chadwick dying. But I remember thinking that afterwards that I was like, I wore his mask every day under mine. Like, and it made me connect with that more. And then. And this, this accomplishment means nothing in the grand scheme of things. So in uh, in Buffalo, there's awards called the Arties. You're familiar with the Tonys? Yes. Um, which they do for like Broadway shows. Um, it's like the theater awards for them. It's the theater awards for Buffalo. The, uh, the Arties are the theater awards for Buffalo. Okay. Um, and this show, I've never been nominated for um, individual awards for it but this show uh was my second consecutive um outstanding ensemble of a show which means like best team to like put together a show like overall as far as like the acting like the acting was so tight between all of them okay and so to team captain that and have that like i consider that a huge success with within itself um so that when that run ended it was it was a really really hard one to let go of and alex was that was a role i was very very honored to have the opportunity to play so that's why he comes in at my number five excellent yeah you never mentioned that before but that's tremendous i love that show perfect role it honestly it really 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 was the perfect role i don't think everybody gets to have that opportunity Either from no, what I and it came. The show itself came together in such a short amount of time. Like all, like it seemed like it was an idea, and all of a sudden we were rehearsing for it right out of there. Uh, Matt Barbeau, who was uh, the writer for the show, came in from New York to see it and enjoyed it. Um, it was it, it was super 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 successful. Uh, I'm pulling up pictures of it right now to show you. Uh, la 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 la. Oh, that I like that sparkling one that I do. There are tons of them around, but yeah, there are very few roles I've gotten to relate to in that sense. I like this one the best because you can see me in full costume, and then uh, this this boy who came and saw it was pretending to be El Goki for like three weeks after the show too, which I always appreciate when that happens. 
Oh, that's so cool. Right? That's amazing. So that mask is eventually, that'll be either on a shoulder blade or a Bill's colors, too. Yeah. And Puerto Rican flag colors. Technically, yes. Mm-hmm. Duh. That, yeah. But, but yes, red, white, and blue, red, white, and blue, red, white, and blue. So, yeah, that was that was a really fun show. That's beautiful, dude. Good stuff. Yeah, man. Good stuff. So Alex comes in at my number five. All right. Excellent. Number uh, four. All right. So I'm going to go back to Chris Pratt. Let's I'm going to put Peter Jason Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord. Didn't see this one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just seen Guardians last week, the last Guardians. I love it. I can't wait to go see it again, man. It was so be- such a beautiful movie. Steve said it was good. So much fun. He said he didn't like it as much as the last two, but he said he really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was man, it was just so well done. But Star Lord has been like that one comic book character that I can again I can relate to. He doesn't he doesn't have powers. He's just a normal guy, but just really smart, but really goofy and not like non serious. Like you seeing him in Infinity War with all those like serious characters like Iron Man and you know, Doctor Strange and I mean Thor. Oh, his stuff with Thor was just so funny. He's just like mocking his voice and trying to sound all bravado and all that. Dude, uh, I loved it. I really loved it. But those movies mean a lot to me. Peter Quill, the the movie character, um, means a lot because it just showed that. I mean, you didn't have to be like this super serious, like dark brooding or just just tough guy character. You just gotta you could be you and still be a superhero. Mm-hmm. Right, still be funny, still have a tragic backstory, not be perfect. Right, basically a lot of the reasons why I liked his portrayal, you know, of, of Andy Dwyer. But uh, yeah, Star Star Lord is like one of those ones where I never seen this character before in comics. I watched him once on a big screen. I'm like, there it is. That's me. <laughs> I had a very interesting moment yesterday too. It was like an omen. Uh, I bought my wife McDonald's for dinner. Mm-hmm. All right, she gets a happy meal. And uh she complains because uh she goes away for a minute and then we go back in the bedroom and Prince is on the bed eating her burger. Oh my god. So she's upset. She's hormonal. She's just crying, very upset. So I'm like, "Okay, I got to make this right, little bastard." Little bastard. So I DoorDash a, a happy meal. All right. And uh, another Happy Meal, cheeseburger Happy Meal, so she can have another cheeseburger. Um, the toy in it, this time, was Star-Lord. The first one was Nebula, the one, the happy, original Happy Meal that I got her that Prince ate the burger Oh, yeah. From. So the second one that happened, and obviously I'm obsessed with Star-Lord, but it was a Star-Lord toy. I put it up right over there, too. So cool. doesn't look Hell anything like yeah. him. But, um, but I was like, that's like... That's like that's destiny. Like that's perfect. Uh, how that how that shaped up, but um, but yeah, I there's very little. Uh, like when everybody was, you know, everybody likes to dunk on Chris Pratt and his who he is. I'm like, I just yeah, I love him. Um, and Starlord was just so good. I, and uh, well, you haven't seen it yet, right? No, not I'm not going to spoil anything, but. Uh, but yeah, great, great, great character. One of my favorites in, of the MCU, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's one of the most relatable because he's a regular guy, right? He just gets sucked up in into space. the galaxy. Yeah, 
happens right. to be the son of a god, but turns down the power he gets from it too. Yep. Like he, he's there's nothing super special about him. He just has he's a dude with a Walkman and a gun, and he finds himself so relatable. One of my fa- one of my favorites in the universe as well. He's such a good character, um, and he's definitely definitely right up your alley. Yeah, so just so cool. I, I, I all the awesome mixes I, I've I've bought and listened to, um, and actually uh, Amy's making me a cake this year for my birthday again, and I asked for a Star Lord mask. Hey, so, very. And then we'll cool. have it Saturday, uh, Saturday for the birthday party. Sounds great. I can't wait for that. Uh excellent, my dude. All right. My number four is the second character that I played on this list. Um, this is where I'm putting Mowgli from the Jungle Book. Very good. Um, so childhood character I've always loved. I've always loved the story of the Jungle Book. I've always loved the Disney animated movie from when I was growing up. Um, the Kipling book is a little darker, but I always loved that as well. Uh, and getting... The opportunity to play him, and especially when it happened, was the the gift of a lifetime. First of all, I it was my breakthrough role as far as like starring roles in professional theater with Buffalo. That was the first like starring role I ever had with right. um, a company professionally. Um, it was with Theater of Youth, who I had done a lot of work with previously, and they were giving me, like, my first opportunities. So it was a great showcase. The cast was great. Um, and then circumstantially, um, not to be a downer for this episode, but my dog passed away in October of the year prior to it. So it had been, like, a six-month separation from it. And I had some, like, I always had a dread about that happening, but I remember... After, like, the week after he died, I was, like, sitting and I was thinking, like, Jungle Book is going to be for him. Because yeah. I'm running for running with wolves for this one. And, like, I have to do, like, I have to connect on, like, a personal level to everything. And I th- I feel like I really did that justice, too. I feel like I really, like, delved in and let myself be vulnerable for, like, those things. And, uh it was it, it was really tough, and even in the program, there was a dedication to him. Like I, oh, I dedicated it like to the audience so that people would know, like this, this like what's this going was on. for right. him. Um, and then to to top that all off with everything, that was the first year we got the ensemble award for uh, for uh, the Arties. So I did that in that year, and then. We didn't have it the next consecutive year because of COVID, but the next ceremonies, we got that same award again for Koki. So I did it. And so it was back-to-back shows that I team-captained right. that got that. They got that. And awesome. so to have that happen, I thought was cool, especially on the first – they had me give the speech at the Arties, and I was super like, okay, what the, the fuck do I do here? Like, right, what do you say? Yeah, exactly. Like, <sighs> what kind of stuff do I do? I forgot to thank the director, which he never lets me live that down at all. Shout out, Chris. I miss you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I I love Mowgli's character. The, the childlike uh, manner that they have him portrayed both in the Disney movies and then in this version, he grows up in front of every – in front of the wolves too and, event, and like, has to leave – uh, which he does in the movie too, but it's a growing up story right. about him, but just growing up in a different manner. And I thought 
that was a growing point for me too. It was definitely a growing point in my career and it, it was something I'll never forget getting the opportunity to play. I loved it. I'm glad you had that opportunity. Yeah. So Mowgli from the Jungle Book comes in at my number four. I'm glad you put the two personal spins on this too. Yeah, I, I'm trying. Like it's, it's hard because I didn't want to make the whole list like, oh, here are fictional characters that I relate to because I play that. But those two, um, I very much enjoyed playing. And shout out, uh, when we did Frankenstein this past year yeah. over at the Ghost Light, that was one I really enjoyed as well. But that was different because I was a villain in that. And I also had, I do want to, I want to touch on this for a second, a total side note, but you'll appreciate this because you came and saw the show. So a big thing, I I decided very early on when in this process that based on the actions in the show that Victor was absolutely the villain. Yeah. But I did not want to uh, outright play it that way. I wanted to play it very much like level-headed and very much like he's smart, but like immediately regret when he sees the creature. He right? came off sympathetic. I, when I watched it, I didn't see him as a villain. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the way that you portrayed him. A I, bad man, but not a villain. I think, I think the way that show is you can get a 50-50 take on both of them. But um, they... The audience, I found, sympathized a lot more with Ben and his character and with what he was going through, even though he shouldn't be uh, he shouldn't be getting as cheered and as loved as he is. People want to see him succeed because I'm being such like a terrible person to him. And I and I brought him into the world like he never asked for that. Um, So we did the membership meeting the other night and the artistic direct DJ's dad uh, kind of was bringing people on stage uh, who were involved in each show and was like putting them on the, kind of putting them on the spot and asking them certain questions about. So he brought Ben up and he was asking him these questions. And again, I played everyone. I played all my motivations so close to the chest and, uh, Ben goes up and uh, Don had asked him, like, what was it like playing the villain? Like, you growing up here and, you know, getting all this acting experience and finally getting into this. The story's totally going off topic again. I, I apologize. Uh, but uh, he he was answering the questions and then Don saw me in the audience and he goes, he goes, and your brother's out there and I'm going to tell a secret because I know what you did. He was like... You played it so that the spotlight would go on your brother intentionally because you wanted him to get the shine. And I immediately when he said like tears started welling up in my eyes because I was like, yeah, that was like Ben deserved. Ben has been grinding so much for like so many years and to be able to get get the platform with him where I could have a small part in him looking as good as he did in that show, which was 99% him. Right. I was the 1% that he bounced his scenes off of. Like, that's that's it. But to be just a small part of that and to know that, like, even those subtleties, like, people picked up, it, it really, like, got me emotional. So... I, I think that's a, a subtle reason why I put these on this list this week to wrap that all up is is because, like, 
they really can get to you. Certain characters can get to you for certain reasons and certain ways when you're acting. And I know that's not a secret, but like, I don't know. It's I think it's cool for people to hear sometimes. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome, dude. I love hearing about this stuff and you know your theater experiences. I like I your the courage that you've you've had uh, to go up there and do that in front of people and not just once. It's not just one performance. Uh, you know, all the time, and you have to pour your heart and soul in it because you have, you have to, to make be it believable. Mm. You have to make your whatever you're portraying believable, and you've done it for so long, and you're so good at it. You know that that makes me happy. So I love hearing all those stories. So thank you. Yeah, man. never ever be afraid to share all that. Appreciate never, ever. you. Of course, of course. All right, and just like that, we're on to our top three. Top so three, number three, Matt. All right, this one I'm going to put uh, this character from Final Fantasy, one of my favorite video game franchises. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII specifically, his character's name is Squall Leonhart, and he starts off much like me, very, very, uh, very, very introverted, keeps to himself, quiet, observant, but quiet, has a, uh, not, I wouldn't say a narcissist, but uh, he has kind of a pessimistic view of the world. He doesn't like getting close to people because everybody goes away in the end. Everybody leaves him in the end, whether it's his his sister, his parents, friends. He's very, very distant. But as you go through the game, he starts to open up. He falls in love, and he, he starts expressing himself and actually being – he's the leader of this group that you, you get to control throughout the game. And he's, he's, he's very, like, standoffish at first, which is funny because there's a lot of – with these Final Fantasy games, there's a lot of very fun dialogue. Like, there's one time they had, they had this dream scenario, but it's 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 hard to explain. But he dreamed that he was his dad in the past. He didn't know it was his dad, but he dreamed he was his dad in the past. And his dad was a goofball. And he woke up, and they're all discussing their dreams because him and his friends had the same dream. And he just goes, yeah, I dreamt I was a moron. But he didn't say it out loud. He thought about it. And, I, and I'm like, man, I felt like that before, too. Like, you woke up and you did something stupid in a dream. You're like, man, I dreamt I was an idiot. Oh, man, it's the worst. It's the worst. Uh, I, You know, there was just points where I was like that, man. I didn't do – I wasn't great at making friends in middle and high school. I struggled. I didn't know how to be friends with people. Um, and for a large part, it's I, I was like, okay, whatever. This is what it is, and I kind of want to be standoffish. But the more you're around people, the more you kind of open up, the more you grow. And I, I find myself doing that uh, quite often. And Squall is a great character, uh, very underrated character in the world of Final Fantasy, but um, but a great character nonetheless. Um, he's only 18 in the game, which is cool. They're like these teenagers, and it's so – I played it when I was like 9, 10 years old. But still, it's always one of those relatable things. Because I think every every well, obviously everybody's been a teenager. Sure, everybody yeah. has experienced, you know, social dilemmas, social angst. I think in some way, shape, or form. So I immediately gravitated toward this character, and he's one of my favorite leads. Usually, I like sidekick characters. Usually, yeah. But I, I really gravitated towards Squall, so he he comes in on my number three. That's typically the when I haven't played the leads, I've played like the main sidekick in a, in a lot of things, and those are my favorite, favorite, favorite characters to play. I, I, They're the best. Yeah, they really are. Like, I, dude, I 
think we did the superhero list, and I prefer Robin to Batman. Yeah. Just because I like the side characters. I like the ones who aren't, like, the main characters. I, I don't know what it is about it, but but Squall is, like, one of the very few leads. I, well, Star-Lord, too, I guess, but a um, few, like, lead main characters that I just, I, I loved. Absolutely. So. Um, very good. I love that. Um, I also have a video game character for my number Excellent. three. Uh, my only video game character on this list, I believe, that I've had. Um, it is Spyro. I talk about him all the time, yes, but there's a, but there's a very specific reason I love him. The dude's awesome. So you go in the first game, and he's the whole backstory that they give you in the PS One booklet when people used to read those. If you remember that, I love those. Is that he skipped Dragon School that day and he's playing hooky, and that's the only reason that he's not turned to stone that day. He's a little shit. He's not like Spyro is not a good kid. He's like kind of an asshole. He's sassy. He's smaller than everybody else on the entire island. Yeah, he has to be this puny dragon saving the world against nasty. Nork in the first game, and the entire reaction he gets in every game is like, "You're a dragon, like you're you're the one they sent. Like this is our reinforcement. Like the this this is what we're doing here." And he continues to just keep on trucking and be like, even though he's little, he, his fire is powerful, his charge is really good, and he finds ways to complete every single little task. He's so just fun to play. I used to man. Spyro 2, I still know how to beat like the back of my hand because I just spent so much time playing it because I loved being him. Yeah. I just loved playing as him. He had such a, a sassiness and a way about him, and all the characters were so lovable. But him specifically, you wanted him to succeed so, so badly. And all the sauce, um, and all the sauce, all the sass that he gave. Uh, to Ripto through the second game. Uh, there's a scene called Bring It On, Shorty, where he, where he says that to him, where they're the same size. They're, he's, he's screaming at him, Bring It On, Shorty, and they're looking head-to-head -head with each other. Um, it's it's brilliant. Um, voiced by, as well by the great Tom Kenny, who, you know, has voiced every single childhood character that we've loved and held dear, SpongeBob, all those revered cartoon characters like that. Uh, so there are a lot of reasons I relate to him. But Spyro comes in at my number three because of how much he's affected my childhood and the rest of my life. Very good. Thank you, sir. Very good. All right. We are up to our top two for this fictional characters list. Matt, why don't you lead us off with number two, sir? All right. I'm going to go... Uh... Peter Parker here. I'm going to go Peter Parker. Very cool. Uh, one thing I, I really always loved about Peter, uh, again, he was probably one of those, he's one of those early relatable characters. He was a, he was a nerd, a nerd a, a kind of a dork um, in a sense. And, and like bullied, and not that I love that he was bullied, but it was relatable because he was bullied, which is... You know, again, it's, that's how I relate it. Right. I didn't have a great high school, you know, elementary school, middle school memories. I didn't have that. I related to him who just could not find a way to fit in and had a, you know, I had to look hard for friends. I had to look hard for associates and um, and whatnot. But, um, but 
yeah, it was it was just one of those things where like, wow, this dude is just like me. He's not a bazillionaire, right? He's not like he doesn't have money like a Batman or an Iron Man. He doesn't have you know, he doesn't have he's not some soldier like Captain America. He's not a a gamma radiated scientist like the Hulk. Like he's the not Hulk. an alien like Superman. He's just like me. He goes to school and he got bit by a spider and he can swing on stuff and, and so much more. And I've always loved and been able to relate to that. Um, he in uh, the photography. Big part of me getting into photography. I love going to new places and doing photography. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that. I mean, my mom does it, but a big part of that was Spider-Man, Peter Parker. That was his job. I want to take a job, you know, get a job. And I've gotten paid to do, like, photography gigs for newspapers and just in general. Like, it was it was cool while it lasted. And uh, absolutely loved and worshipped Spider-Man. So, um, forever and always for that. So, uh, Peter Parker, one of the most relatable characters I've ever, you know, ever seen. Um, good-hearted person, tested constantly, his morals, his beliefs. Um, but... Uh, yeah, he just great, great character, He's great written, and uh, somebody at uh, anybody of all ages can relate to. Absolutely, there's a reason Spider-Man is so beloved by everybody is because Peter Parker specifically has always you've always rooted for him when he's been in the underdog position. Another underdog character that like you've just always wanted to see him get through and like when he's first starting out he really had to figure his shit out quick like he had to adjust to villains like on the fly so quickly the way they wrote him and uh his battles have only gotten more sinister and he's only been able to adapt so much better to them and is just always constantly learning and rebuilding and we can all learn from that to a certain degree i feel like absolutely yeah he just he had real problems yeah, you know, dealing with stuff, a secret identity, and um, you know, d- d- relationship stuff, uh, balancing everything out. Uh, man, you really felt like you just connected with him every time you you picked up the pages. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is where I put my uh comic book characters at my number two, and. In a way, I feel like it works out really well that he's in this spot because I kind of feel like he's the Peter Parker of the DCU in some kinds of ways. Obviously, I had a Batman entry that I was going to put on this. Naturally. Naturally. I have several that I could put on here because I relate to several different characters for many different reasons. I could put Dick Grayson's Nightwing on there. I was very close to doing that because as a kid, I've said this time and time again, we couldn't be Batman, but we could be Robin. And that was the first one I saw is Dick Grayson and how he became his own thing and like grew up as this leader, like became the right Batman, like the Batman he that Bruce always wanted for the city. Right. I could put him on there. I could put uh, Tim Drake's Robin on there for a lot of different reasons because he's bold and he's always been smart and figures out a lot of different ways. could put Bruce Wayne on him himself for, for a lot of different reasons, money not being one of them, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but out of every single character in the DC universe... I do not relate to a character more than I have related to to Terry McGinnis. 
which is uh, the the Batman from Batman Beyond. Yeah. Terry was, first of all, he's so cool when you see him. He's he's just this kid who's, he spent three months in juvie for something he shouldn't have gotten caught up in. Um, in high school, uh, you know, being kind of like the tough guy, a little bit lost at times, living between parents who are separated, uh, has his dad murdered after uh, Terry discovers the uh, Batcave for the first time, not by anybody Bruce-related or anything like that, but by uh, Derek Powers and somebody through his company. And Terry uh, becomes Batman after that because he has a motivation to now do it, and he becomes the new student for Bruce Wayne. And to see that, like, old Bruce Wayne, like, taking up this kid as a mentor after all that time, it was so cool to see, like, this new, fresh Batman that wasn't Bruce. It was the first time that that actually worked. Like, he's such a relatable character because, like Peter, he has to figure it out real quick, like, real, real quick throughout. Um he has Bruce, which I always thought was a cool aspect that he could like talk to him and learn from him at all times. Yeah. He's still figuring it out as he's growing up. And you, another character, you just grow up with him and you see these new levels and these new sides of him and you deal with his losses with him. You deal with his victories with him. Um, and last year really solidified it for me when I read the um, Batman Beyond Neo year. Uh, storyline that they did, which covers the period uh, after Bruce Wayne dies where Terry's learning how to be Batman on his own and, like, find his own version of Batman to be. And it, it you feel this victory for him and you feel really good for him by the end of that series. And when I do that, I feel like I'm watching, like, a, a brother succeed, honestly, in a lot of different ways. And he was that, when I look at Batman, sometimes that's really who I see. And I think that's partially why I like the Pattinson one so much, because he he very much was kind of a Batman Beyond take, I'd say, in a lot he of He would have made ways. a really good, if they did a live-action Batman Beyond, I think Pattinson would have made the perfect. He would have made a really kick-ass one, for yeah. sure. But, you know, my dad dropped that gem on my podcast a, a while back, but I really relate to it where I do think that, like, that is a very close rendition of what we would see as far as like a Batman Beyond on screen. Oh, with yeah. him doing that. Yeah, it's it's always cool to see ter- uh, Terry like he's getting mentored obviously by Batman, mm-hmm. the the Batman, but he also has to find a way to put his own spin on it too. Yes, which I admired, and I think that's like with anything, like a father raising a son, right? Just the son is learning everything from their father as far as you know how to be a man, how to go about certain things. But you also you have to find a way to put your own spin on it. Mm-hmm. You have to find a way to live your own life revolving around the way you were raised, I guess in a sense too. Yes. Uh, try, you, there's there's got to be like a fine balance, you know, of it. Like I love my dad. My dad taught me how to be a great man. Um I don't love everything. I had to make be my become my own person and and use his knowledge and incorporate my own. And that's the way I see I always see Terry and his inheritance of, of the Batman lore. Yeah. Me you too. know, so to speak. And that's I love that show so that's much. That's a great way to put it. I, I do too. I think they 
deserve like a live action or like a reboot of some. I sort. think with James Gunn at the helm, I think it'll come eventually. I think they're gonna. But DC's no. gonna be much better planned out, and uh, I think it'll be all right. Let's hope so. so. Let's fucking hope so. <laughs> Um, all right, on to our number one for our fictional characters list. Matt, lead us off. All right, so here lies the other Skywalker in this list. There he all is. Right. Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, my favorite fictional character of all time, and people are probably like, oh, my God, this guy's a, uh, a sick bastard. Um, it's probably what they're going through. Uh, the range of emotion. I've told this story, like my perspective on Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, the tragedy of... So many times, ad nauseum. I'm not going to go into full details, but I think a lot of people, you know, the the anxiety of life having being built up, put on a pedestal, um, and, and not knowing maybe why people like you or if they even like you for mm-hmm. the right reasons, and to have your world just kind of cave around you and 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 try to deal with it at that age is tremendous and i think it was a very very well done portrayal of you know that through hayden christensen uh as i've said dozens of times i've been through it all i've been angry before perpetually angry obviously not to the extent of turning on um an entire group of people that have you've been around or killing younglings um but i've been Angry before, perpetually, nonstop, going to bed angry, waking up angry, eating angry, um, socializing angrily, and and, and just, just anxious and just not knowing things. Where do I stand? And I can relate to it. High school was, was that time for me. College, especially right after, like, High school, that whole there's probably like a three four year stretch after high school where I just those are my dark years where it's just like I don't know what's going on with my life. Um, I've had my you know whole refiguring out my life this past summer. Talked about it. I allude that to to Vader coming around and throwing the Emperor off you know in the Death Star to save his son. I that's that's my metaphor kind of for that is you know there there's still a good person underneath there just because you know somebody's done something bad or multiple things bad obviously not to the extent of Darth Vader but sure. but but break down to the bare layers um it doesn't define who they are forever and you know Vader did all that stuff when he turned on the Jedi he did it for love yeah, for his wife, the only person who truly understood him, and you know, and then he saved. He, he gave it his own life, kill the emperor to save his son, which was such a great moment. So, um, so yeah, so there it is. My number one, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader. Um, the tragedy of Anakin is, I think, a lot of people can relate to if they can strip away their ego and look at their past. And, and and just see that he's human. Mm-hmm. He was human, emotionally human. And um but the difference between him and somebody like myself or others, we didn't have the power to kind of do what we want and, and really truly act on those aggressions. So 
Um, and that's obviously a good thing. So uh, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader is uh, is my number one relatable because of just the range of emotion that you see and deal with and you feel. I love it. Excellent. And I I think the Star Wars related is is very you. I could definitely see how it shapes who you are in a lot of different ways. So they're excellent choice for your number one, sir. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. My number one, I always forget if you're familiar with the show or not, but I don't think you are to a large extent. Um, my character I relate to most uh, fictionally is Aang from the show Avatar The Last Airbender. Yep. So Aang, for those of you who don't know, is a 12-year-old boy when uh, the war starts where the Fire Nation attacks uh of the other nations for the first time. He runs away on his flying bison, ends up caught in a storm, um, ends up in the water, and he freezes him and Appa. They wake up a hundred years later to an entirely different world where everybody thinks the Avatar is does not exist anymore and has just disappeared for a hundred years. And it's a whole different world. The Fire Nation's taken over. Um, more than that, he realizes all of his people are dead. He is the last airbender on the entire planet, which having the weight of the world on your shoulders to be the avatar is tough enough. But then when all of your people are away from you too, and you're rebuilding and you're finding your group and the people that you can trust, that's, that's even harder. And he gets tested with his morals over and over and over again through throughout this entire series. And he constantly sticks to the path that will bring him to what he was taught. Always, always. He never take a life. All life is sacred. Um, you know, always treat certain situations in a certain way. He incorporates all of that through the whole series. No, no moment more apparent than uh, the last four episodes where he is being told over and over again that his only option to win the war is to kill the Fire Lord. And he's saying, I was told not to kill. I was told not to kill. I was told not to kill. He's ta- talking to past avatars, and they're like, you should kill him, dude. And they're all saying it oh, over. He's talking to all these little spirits. They're like, kill him. Kill him. Just do it. And without even uh, spoiling anything, he still finds another way right. to send a statement without. So he, like, I've always related to him, but not to, like, delve into too much. But this past year, um, a couple things happened where I was really tested for to who I was at my core, like very much so. And I had to like to the point with certain situations where internally I was like, do I act out this way? And, and thinking in ways that I would normally not act out in as a person. Right. And, I still was able to, to, for lack of a better term, to quote Bruce Lee, just be water and, and be through it and be air for the most part, too, and just be light and, like, figure the situations out and stick to the person I am at the at my core. And something about him has really, especially this year, just stood out to me 
and I I see a lot of relation in that character to myself, and I hope I can be that character for a lot of people because some people need that person that's always going to, like, try and find a way to balance things out Absolutely. no matter how hard circumstances get and will always give people a chance in a lot of ways. Um, so Aang comes in at my number one. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Very good. This was a really fun list. This is a great list. I'm glad you chose it. I, I, it's cool because this is this is how art's supposed to be perceived. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize this. Everything that we talked about, every fictional character that we talked about today, is art, and we're meant to find relativity within it. Mm-hmm. That's how you connect with art, music. You know, you, you hear something that appeals to you. That there's a connectiveness, or maybe a memory associated with with music. With characters, that's how we're. That, that's why they're so diverse. That's why um, diversity within char- fictional characters is increasing, like ever so much on on the big screen. And TVs is for the relativity. You fall in love with relative characters, mm-hmm. and and that's why I, you know this is such a good one to do. And, and there were so many characters. I'm like, wow, you know, I really do. Like, I'm that. There's something there. Yeah, there's something there that I can relate to. So and and. And obviously, I chose ten, and I'll probably go home and and forget about you know, or I'll remember a couple other ones. But that this is the way art is supposed to be consumed. Yeah. So great choice, buddy. Absolutely, I agree. We've got a, a mouth watering one for next week, which I'm super excited. We sure about. do. So myself and Dan, over the next uh, couple weeks, are both having our birthdays. Next week is my birthday, the May twenty first. Dan is coming up very, very soon. It's going to be here quick, June 10th. Yep. And uh, I was like, you know what? Let's do a birthday cake episode. Now, it it's flavoring. It's not so much design or whatever, but it's flavor. So cookie cake, ice cream cake, cheesecake, um, you know, those classic, you know, those, those fun cakes at the Cake Boss. Whatever it is, the flavoring, what you like, that's what we're ranking. Uh, so it will be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to discuss that with Dan. Yeah, me too. That'll be a really good one. Um, before we go, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, the Ghostlight Theaters podcast, which has been on our network, and yes. we've been um, doing their editing for. I listen every week, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, they're my my home theater, but the stories that come from that podcast are just so cool. They bring on some of their members and people that are just local community actors, and some of their stories are just amazing, and it really is so cool to listen to every week, and I think everybody can um, find some inspiration in just hearing some of those things from it. Um, so I'm go, so proud of them. Yeah, They've yeah, done this, too. too, without, like... With I'm not gonna say little guidance, but they kind of came in here. You and I, you know, I I had I spent one week with them. You spent several weeks with them, but they've been free reign and they're just crushing it. Absolutely, and yeah. it's not like they need like, you know, if they need advice, they will ask. But they're just going. Yeah, and I get blown up all the time with like with, um, just with compliments. Like I I have their Spotify stuff, and just everyone's like, good show, good show, good show. Like they comment on each episode. Yeah. We don't get that with other, uh, with a lot of the other ones. No. So it's really cool to see. That engagement is really good, and they've got a really good base, and they're supportive of uh, of so many other shows, too. In fact, I've told people over there, oh, they eat, sleep, bless you, and I have tons of people who are interested in coming out. So we'll have to have DJ on for an episode, actually. We I have, would love that. We can have some uh, really fun topics to go over with him. Cause Absolutely. Because there's some cool stuff there. Um, but until next week... 
Uh, everybody take care of yourselves and your mental health. And from Matt and myself, do you even list? <laughs>